dues, isn't it? You, you can't pay it. So he said, put it on my account. It's already been paid for. Appreciate the good singing. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 12 tonight, if you would. Luke chapter 12. Had a good time last night, or Friday night. The teens had their bonfire. We couldn't really have bonfire because it's rained. And so uh, had a good soup night, and they played volleyball. Here's what I learned. We've got some very unathletic teenagers. And Brother Johnny, if you, and I played volleyball with them, and if you were on the front row, they would try to spike the ball from the back row. They don't understand this game of hitting it over the net. It's just like hit it hard and wherever it lands. And so, I, you know, you're constantly ducking from your own team. And they don't like s'mores. I mean, what kid does not like s'mores, right. right? I mean, we had all this s'more stuff. Like, how many of you want s'mores? And maybe two of them raised their hand. Right. So, parents, I don't know what you need to do different, but, we, you know, we're going to enter them into a volleyball tournament, and we're like, no, they won't even let us play. But they had a good time. They really did, and we sure enjoyed fellowshipping with them. And uh, they need that. They're, listen, they're going to they're hang around with somebody. They're going to hang around. People say, well, I, you know, uh, they don't want to go to stuff at the church. That's fine. But here, here's what happens, right? Here's, here's what I've seen in my brief time of pastoring. Don't make them go. Don't involve them. Let them have fun, right? Go do the stuff that all the other kids do. And then later on, they'll come and say, well, you know, I don't know what happened to them. I raised them in church. You didn't raise them in church. You brought them to church. That's different. Just bringing them is different. You ask Sunday school teachers and you ask the preacher and the youth leader to raise the kids. And it's like, but we're not going to make them do anything they don't want to do. So we're, and then it's like, I don't know what happened to them. I did the best I could. And I know this, Brother Johnny, we look back and all of us as parents, we look back and things we should have done different, could have done different, right? But what I would do is uh, glean from some people because a lot of a lot of the, if you've got kids, a lot of folks have already been where you're at. And here's what I've learned: human beings are pretty much all the same, right? I mean, men are pretty much all the same. Women pretty much all the same. Teenagers pretty much all the same. Now, I know everybody thinks their kids special and. You know that the rest of them are crazy, but this I got the special one. You'll you'll find out, right? You'll, they're they're all made out of the same stuff called flesh, and uh, we all need we all need got it. So, but thank you. We enjoyed the time Friday night with them and ate a bunch of good soup and uh, some good desserts. And like I said, enjoyed watching them play volleyball and just really hit stuff as hard as they could. That's all they want to do. Hit it hard, brother Harley. Just. Didn't even, didn't even keep score. I mean, just raw, you know, just so I don't know what that's all about. But we had a good time with them, and uh, I appreciate uh, Brother Paul, Miss Tammy, and all they do. And uh, I found this out. I know probably working with youth have always, has always been difficult, right? But the, the, today, with all these kids have, school, social media, peer pressure, uh, y'all better pray for them. That's all I can say. I ain't talking about just kids. I'm talking about your youth, your youth leaders. 
Luke chapter 12, verse number 4, we want to start there. And we started a series uh, last week, week before, on, on, uh, on soul winning, on our responsibility. We already determined that God has given us the great commission or the great commandment that it's not, uh, it's not uh, up for our discretion, but that's what he told us to do. Well, here in Luke chapter 12, verse number 4, he said, And I say unto my, uh, you, my friend, so I'm glad to know that he's talking to us as his friend, he said, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will uh, forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Right. Yes, I say unto you, fear him. Yes. He said, are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore ye uh, are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say unto you, uh, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men uh, shall be denied before the angels of God. Whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. Verse 11, when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto magistrates, and powers take ye no thought how or what things ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. Amen. So, so here's, here's what I want us to see. Because how many of you in, in, in your time of church, right, ha, have heard many uh, messages on verse 6 and 7, right, talking about, Five sparrows sold for a farthing, not one of these is forgotten before God. Well, hallelujah, right? Then, then we go down to uh, verse number 7. I've even said this. I'm sure you have. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore ye are, are of many more value than many sparrows. You know, how many times have we heard messages on that, devotions like, boy, God cares about you and he's got you right there and he's going to take care of you, make sure nothing happens, right? And I say hallelujah for that. But oftentimes we don't quote it in context. Right? right. right? I mean, you got to look before and after that scripture and really see what he's saying there. Amen. He will take care of us in these other things. He is concerned about our, about our uh, uh, natural needs, about food and shelter. and He, he is. But in, in the context of this scripture, he's telling these friends, these disciples, he's saying, listen, I'm sending you out there to be a witness for me. I'm sending you out there to, to tell others about me, and in the process, I'm going to take care of you. Now, you can't get around that if you read the Scripture in context, can you? And so here's what he's talking to us about, confessing Christ publicly. Here's what I want to ask you. Do you consider yourself a secret believer? Now, we'd say no, right? Well, you know, every once in a while I'll put some scripture up on my social media stuff, but how many people uh, around you have you actually told about Jesus Christ? So why would anyone want to be silent about the Lord? I mean, let's be honest, when just a few years ago when all the COVID stuff was going around and, you know, people would have a, have a fix or they'd have some type of medicine they thought could fix that, they'd post it all over their social media, they'd tell everybody they knew. Then when they thought the vaccine was going to fix it, you saw it everywhere. I mean, the fact is, when we think we have a solution to a problem, we want to let everybody know that we care about what the solution is, but now... <laughs> 
we have the solution to every problem. We have the solution for eternity, yet we don't want to tell anybody. And we'll say, well, it might offend them, preacher, and if they really want to know, they'll come to the church. Well, that's not what Jesus told us to do. He didn't say just have the doors of the church open. He said to go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. And he's not talking about compelling them to come into church, although that's a good place to go. He's talking about compelling them to come in into the kingdom of God. And so confessing Christ before men brings rewards and not confessing him according to this scripture, uh, uh, we lose rewards. So Jesus deals with the subject in this portion of Luke. We fear men, let's be honest, more than we fear God. So that's why we won't share the life-giving gospel with the dying world is because we fear men. Now you'd say, well, preacher, I don't fear anybody. Maybe not physically. But there's a social pressure that is put on us. And not, listen, and if you say not me, then you, you let me know this. How many people every day do you even mention the name Jesus? Good. I mean, a lot of times, let's be honest, we go to a restaurant and, and if we're by ourselves, we'll give them one of these. Now, if we got the brethren around us, we'll make sure our heavenly father that bestows upon us all the heavenly blessings. You know, we get a little preachy in there, but you let it be just one of you. Amen, right? And what's sad is even if we see somebody praying, how often have you gone over or you've prayed and somebody saying, you know, I appreciate you praying. I'm thankful for that, but that ought to be the norm, shouldn't it? So what I'm saying is why is it that we will not confess Christ publicly? Well, let me give you a couple things. Number one, in this scripture, Jesus deals with the weakness we have. In verse 4, he said, I say unto you, my friends. Well, isn't that interesting that if we are his friends, if we are that close to him intimately, you would think that we would want others to know who he is. So he says, I say unto you, my friends, but be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that, have no more that they can do. So here's what he's laying out for me. He's saying, listen, you're, you, I'm getting ready to send you out as, as, uh, as sheep, uh, lambs among wolves. I'm getting ready to send you out there, and they're not going to like what you got to tell them. Matter of fact, they may want to kill you. But here's what I'd say. He's saying, don't be afraid of them. You need to be afraid or have respect and reverence for the one that can not only take you out of here, but that can send you to hell. Right, and so what he's saying here in verse 4 and 5, in verse 5 he said, but I will forewarn you. So he's saying, before we ever get started with this thing, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. He said, I forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. So, so first of all, he deals with our weakness. Now, you may say, I don't have a weakness. I'm not afraid. I'm strong, whatever. Okay, good for you. But there's always somebody stronger than you are. There's always somebody smarter than you are. There's always someone that you feel inferior to. And so what he's saying is this weakness we have is a fear of man. See, we brag about not being afraid of anything, but let's be honest, we fear men. If we didn't fear men, we wouldn't care, listen, what we wear. And some of you ladies say, well, that's right, you get on them in. I'm talking about mankind, not just fellers. Right? I mean, even as a kid, you know, why is it that you go to school and if you don't have the right uh, blue jeans or you don't have the right shirt or you don't have the right shoes, it's like, well, I got to have that. Everybody else has got it. 
I got to have the iPhone, you know, 15 Pro Max, 190,000 gigabytes, and we got to have the, you know, that we got to have that. Why? Because we'll be an outcast. That is a fear of man. Why is it we won't share the gospel? Because we fear what they think of us. Why will we not stand up for what's right? We fear that we might lose our job. Why is it that we won't stand up when people are cursing and using God's name in vain at a ball game? Because we're afraid that it will, it will stir up a ruckus. Right. Now, I'm not talking about just going out stirring stuff up, but there was a time where God's people would stand up for what's right because they cared more about him than they did society. We, listen, we, we, we ain't got preachers that won't stand up for what's right. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to preach the Bible. They're going to preach what's going And Brother Bart told me tonight, he said, Preacher, I, listen, I, 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 and someone else said this, said, Preacher, I know sometimes you probably get discouraged at the attendance, whatever. Well, sometimes, but I'll say this, y'all ain't my kids. Y'all are God's kids, right? I, I learned a long time ago, I can't fix you. I can't, I barely fix me most of the time. But I do know this, Brother Harley, I'm going to preach what I believe the Bible says. And if it's just me and Miss Ellen, she's going to get an earful one day. But, but I, I know you'll be here. But I, I'm not, listen, I want people to come. Praise God. I think we ought to be sensitive. We ought to invite them. We ought to, but we should, the, the church is supposed to be the ground and pillar of truth. Amen. It, the, people ought to know when they come to the house of God, they're going to get the word of God. But we don't do that because we're afraid. If we stand up, what well, if they take away our tax-exempt status? Well, if you're in it for that, you're in it for the wrong reason, Amen. right? Amen. What if they censor you? What if they do? There's time, when I, there's time when I preached I wasn't on Facebook. It won't bother me if I'm not on Facebook. What about all the shut-ins? Well, we'll do them a different way. But I'm just saying, why is it that we fear men? Because... The honest truth is most of them are not going to take our life. We live in America. At least now, for now, we have some freedoms. We may not next year or five years from now. But at least now we can share the gospel, right? People say, well, you know what? I'm afraid they can get you. shut the door in my face. What if they don't like us knocking on their door? We'll have a bad testimony. You know what? Time out. Let me just... I don't, Brother Jimmy, you, you know this, you and I scrutinize over stuff like this, and we're not just going to go in there and, and just, you know, I mean, we want to be good neighbors. But you get to a point where being a good neighbor, they handcuff you to where you can't do what God's called you to do. God didn't tell us, now listen now, if, if someone shuts the door in your face, we just don't want you in our neighborhood. Well, you don't speak for everybody in this neighborhood. If you don't want us at your house, you say, well, what if we get a bad testimony? We get letters all the time. We get calls all the time. I'm not going to acknowledge them. Right? I'm just not. Because we don't answer to man, we answer to God. And we say that as a church, but you have to say that as an individual, that I will serve God, I'm going to serve him, not man. Right? And so we have to fit that we have this fear of men. We don't want rejection, brother. Nobody wants to be rejected. I don't want to be rejected. I, I'm not. I don't have this Teflon uh, coating on me that where my feelings don't get hurt when I get cussed out or someone. I'm just like you are. But we got to get past this idea of what if they don't like me? 
So maybe not a physical altercation or bodily harm, but we're, but we're, we're, about, we're worried about being an outcast or being made fun of. Well, look at the, the Apostle Paul. Pretty much everywhere he went, he just went and said, where's the nearest jail? Because that's probably where I'll end up for it's all over with. Right? Where's the synagogue at? Well, it's over there. Well, I need to find out where the synagogue is. I need to know where the jailhouse is. Because I'm going there, but I'm probably going to end up there. And so, we fear men. That's our weakness. If God to us was bigger than man, we'd fear God, not man. Not only do we fear the fear of man, but we have a fear of me. See, because he's telling them in verse 10 and 11 and 12, he said, listen, you're going to be put in some situations. And I hear this all the time. Well, I won't know what to say. I don't want to say the wrong thing. That's a cop out. Brother Jimmy, we've done, in the 21 years I've been here, we've had so many soul winning classes Man, we've taken you 13 weeks and we've told you what to say and we've told you how to knock on the door and how to walk up to the door and the Romans road and how to use John 3 and how to break the ice and how to go up and find something that, you know, man, you know, Brother Shane, that, now that is a good-looking beard you got there. Break the ice, right? How to look for something in the yard, you know, any... How about them tar heels or how about them blue, you know, whatever. It's like, why? Because we either fear men or we fear inadequacy in ourselves. I don't want to say the wrong thing. What if I say, let me ask you this. Time out. Ready? Do you think God is so small that if you don't say exactly the right thing and you take them down the Romans road and just end up on a U-turn somewhere? You don't think God's big enough to corral them back to Calvary? Good. Amen. Good. Why don't we do it? I, just, I have no self-esteem. But you're not depending on you. See, what he's saying is you're going you're gonna to go up against magistrates, you're going to go in the synagogues, you're going to go up uh, people that are more intelligent than you, have more religious experience than you do, or you know they, they know the, the Old Testament better. Here's what you do. You just go. And, and the Holy Ghost of God will give you the right words at the right time to say. See, this ain't about us. It's about him. So the weakness we have is we have a fear of men, and then we have a, a fear of me. Listen, there's, you, may be the per, you may be a person, you've got all this supreme confidence in yourself. Most people aren't that way. Right. I'm not that way. Right. I love, I'd rather preach than talk to somebody one-on-one. I just would. I'd rather preach than sing. I hate to sing. I say that. I love to sing, but I, I feel like when I, I get nervous, Brother Dennis, and I'm like, I can preach, and it's like, I sing, and I'm like, I got to look at the words because in my mind I'm going to forget it, and I'm going to hit the wrong note, and I'm going to blow it up, and people are going, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect God, and I don't want to sing bad, and have you look at me, go, and I get nervous. But I get nervous witnessing to people. Do you? But you know what I found, Brother Marty? Just about everything in life that I don't want to do, it's good for me. It really is, isn't it? I mean, 
You know, people say, well, I, you get up early and get up 4 o'clock and go to the gym. I don't want to. But, Lee, it's not something inside me going, I can't wait to get there. And a lot of mornings it's just get up and drink 11, 11 cups of coffee, you know, and just get in the car just drive a little bit and say, well, while I'm out, might as well go on to the gym since I'm already out. Sometimes you have to get up and you read your Bible and your flesh and you don't want to. And you say, well, while I'm up, might as well read my Bible. While I'm up, might as well pray. You ever thought maybe if you just come Saturday and say, you know, the devil say you won't know the right things to say. And you, listen, you're not, you're not adequate. You don't have it. And you just get here. You just get up Saturday morning, Brother Jimmy, and say, you know what? I'm not probably not going to say the right thing or do the right thing, but while I'm out, right, while I'm, dri- while I'm driving up to church, I might as well go out and knock on some doors, right? While I'm at the restaurant and I, I found this track in my pocket, I might as well tell this guy about Jesus or at least hand him the track. Might as well, right? That's how you get over this fear of me. You can talk yourself out of everything. I promise you, you know, I, I read a lot of books. People say, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not a reader. Well, I wasn't either. My mom would tell you, I, they'd, you know, they give you books to read, so I'm like, I ain't reading that. I'd want the cliff notes. I had cliff notes everywhere, man. They, remember them? Kids going, what are cliff notes? They used to sell these books, these little yellow books, right? Anybody remember them? You could take a whole novel and they'd, they'd, They'd summarize it in those cliff notes. And then when I was growing up, you'd have to go and you'd have to read this book and give a book report. You know what I figured out? The teachers had already read the cliff notes. So when you did your book report off the cliff notes, they knew that you didn't read the book. Or if you watched the movie, right? I didn't like to read, but I was like, well, you know, I probably need to. The more I did it, the more I enjoyed it. It's that, it's that way with everything. Yes, sir. You're right. You can make all the excuses why you can't do, well, preacher, that's not just who I am, and I'm, I'm not eloquent in speech. And Hey, I remember, I think in the Old Testament, there's this guy named Moses. And God said, go to Moses, I want you to go into Egypt, and I want you to get my people out. And he's like, well, you don't understand, Lord, I, I stutter, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not eloquent of speech. And he said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do to alleviate your excuse. He said, I'll send Aaron with you, and he can do the speaking. And you, if you'll notice, when they got there, Moses never shut up. Aaron never got to say a word. He probably just sat there and went, what are you saying, right? There's a fear of man, there's a fear of me, but watch this. There's no fear of the master. Because right. right. what he says, he said in verse 4, he said, be not afraid of them that can kill the body. Well, can man do that? Sure. Can I do that? Sure. Right? He said, after that, have no more power, nothing more they can do. But he said, I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yes, I say unto you, fear him. Who's that? So we have no fear of the master. See, we're bought with a price. He's the one we should fear or respect. But because of his long suffering, we tend to not fear him or obey him. I mean, if God was right there and said, listen now, Johnny, Brother Johnny, you and Brother Shane don't go out and knock on some doors today. I'm going to punish you. 
Y'all probably go. See, he's long-suffering, and he said, listen, I really want you to go. Really need to go. Need to tell others about Christ. And so we go, well, he, it's not that big a deal. I mean, it's not, it's not really that important to God because if it was and I didn't do it, then he would send a lightning bolt through my head. So I'm, right? But he's long-suffering. But if I think about Calvary, and Brother Eddie did a phenomenal job picking out songs to bring us back to Calvary and the blood, that ought to motivate me to say, you know what? He did that for me. I can do this for him. So he gives us the weakness in verse 4 and 5. Verse 6 through 9, he gives us a warning. He gives us this promise about the sparrows and about every hair on our head being counted and numbered, and he knows all that. And he gives us this idea, this picture of the protection of a parent, right? In other words, we are fully in view of God because what he's going to tell them in a few minutes, he's saying, I'm, I'm getting ready to send you into hostile territory. And you may even question in your flesh, where am I? But he said, I want you to know when you are going in here, that I'm taking care of the sparrows. I know every hair on your head and you're more valuable valuable than they are. So what I'm saying is he knows us and will protect us and provide for us so we can trust him. If he says it here that you and I can trust him, we can trust him. I'll tell you this, if you want to see the church grow and you say, well, preacher, you know what? All them Sunday morning Christians, they're not here. Well, I just know this. People that have been saved a while, they're going to do what they do, Brother Gary. That's right. You're right. Very few people that are Sunday morning Christians are going to start coming on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Right. Just the way it is. Come on. You're right. You say, well, preacher, that's so, so narrow-minded and pessimistic. It's realistic. Amen. There's been some folks coming here for 20 years. Come Sunday morning, never seen them on Sunday night. Right. Now I get up there and browbeat them to death and guilt them, but that ain't going to do it. So you know what you do? And they can come. I'm, not, I'm thankful. I'm glad they're here on Sunday morning. Praise God. I'd rather have them here than not, wouldn't you? But there's some folks out there, if you'd win them to Christ and you'd disciple them, you'd tell them, listen now, with what Jesus did for you, be good to be back on Sunday night. Man, we're talking about this on Sunday night. Wednesday night, we're, man, preacher's dealing with this, and we have time of prayer around the altar. It's a good time. They don't know any different. They don't know about being a Sunday morning Christian, right? They don't know about one time a week. I just noticed this. When people get saved, you know what? I, they're excited. They go, they'll go five days a week. They'll go six. They'll find, hey, let's go to revival. They'll jump in the car with you. You want to see the church grow? The whole world out there. Needs Jesus. Let me tell you something interesting. This area of the country is growing faster. One of the fastest growing parts of the country. The triad is one of the fastest growing regions in the country. You say, well, we're down here. Everybody's got a church. Everybody's hurt. No, no. They're coming in in droves. Before COVID, I don't know what it is now. Before COVID, there was 52,000 people a year. Moving to North Carolina. 52,000. That's a thousand a week. Some of them have moved here. Brother Jimmy, 
See all them new neighborhoods going out? Brother Jimmy said, we got, you know what we got to do? We got to start a new move-in ministry. He said, well, what's that? You'll find out. I don't care how we do it, you know. You say, I can't go on Saturdays. Well, there's six other days a week go. You say, I'm not a door knocker. Well, get those tracks and you, you're running people at Walmart, right? Lowe's, you, wherever. We have all the excuses why we can't. The Lord's saying, listen, I saved you. I want to save them. But I'm going to use you to share the gospel. So the protection of the parent, then the positive pronouncement. Look what he said. This, don't, this doesn't sound like the ooey-gooey God that everybody's talking about. Here's what he said, verse 8. Now, he just said in verse 6 and 7, this sounds like the God, the Father, the loving Father, I'm going to take care of you, right? Then he lays this on us. He said, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Is that in the book? Well, how are you going to explain that one away? He said, other scriptures, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. That's what he said, right? So the positive pronouncements, if we're not ashamed of him, he'll not be ashamed of us. He will confess us. If not, he will not confess us. That's what the Bible said. You say, well, how's that fit into once saved, always saved? Have no idea. I just know what he said. He's telling me that my responsibility after I'm saved is to go tell people about him. Amen. Right? Amen. And so there's a positive pronouncement. Then there's the position of the prince. Notice what he said. He said, he that denied me before men shall uh, be denied before the angels of God. Whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. Well, that's interesting to me because it tells me that what he's saying is he has some authority. Matter of fact, he has all authority. And what he's saying is if you will not tell people that you're associated with me, then I'll deny you. Makes me wonder, again, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm definitely not here to say somebody's saved, not saved. That's not up to me. But I do wonder why it is we're so ashamed of it. Then number three, in verse 10 through 12, he gives us, he talks about the witness. Now here's what he said in verse 11. When they bring you unto the synagogues. Now notice if I believe this Bible is the inspired word of God's infallible, which I do, don't you? Yes, believe God breathed it all, put every word right. Now, does that, verse 11, does that say if they bring you unto the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers? Does it say if? It says when. He's saying, here's what's going to happen. He gets real honest with us. He pretty much says everybody is not going to like you. Everybody's not, everybody's not going to buy into what you're selling. When they do this. So he tells us in verse 10, verse 11, he's telling us that there's the test. In other words, we will stand before those who reject Christ. 
We'll stand before those that don't want to hear what you got to say. And I know we look and say, well, everybody, everybody should want to hear it. And, and there is a, there's, definitely, there's definitely a temptation to go. I'll give you this example. Is it easier to go knock on a door than when you get to the end of the driveway, there's a giant sign in the yard, big yellow sign that says, thank you, Jesus. Praise God, you know what we'll do? Man, we're running up to that one going. Now, I know you probably go to church somewhere. Isn't God good? But if there's ever a time that y'all don't have service, we want to invite you to our church, right? That's an easy one. Then you go to another one. It says, beware of dog. Pentagram hanging on the door, right? Don't tell me about your Jesus. I we had one. I don't. We, I don't. This years ago, that said no soliciting. We don't want your vacuum and we don't want your God. They need him, just like to thank you, Jesus, folks do. Right? And you know what I found? Sometimes the thank you, Jesus folks, they're meaner than the Satanist. Right? I mean, somebody knock on your door and you're saved on your way to heaven, they're handing out the gospel. Wouldn't you think? People go, thank you for what you're doing. Brother Eddie, we've all had this, right? I go to church somewhere. I don't need your literature. Amen. Well, you mind getting some? No. Boom. Right? Then I've had some people, I mean, you know, tattoos and face piercings and, you know, coming out with a beer in their hand. You hand them a tract. So, listen, I like to invite to church. Hey, thank you. Appreciate you stopping by. You don't know what you're going to get. You just got to go. The test is will you go? Right? The test is not whether or not they get saved. That ain't up to you. The test is, your test is, will you go where he tells you to go? Those who oppose you still need to hear the gospel. Then he tells us about the trust we can have in him. Here's what he said. He said, when you go to the synagogues, magistrates, powers, take no thought how uh, or what things ye shall answer or what ye shall say. He said, don't worry about that. Your test is to go. Your trust is, Lord, you say what you want through me. That's what he's telling us. He said, I'll give you the words. Matter of fact, in verse 12, he said, the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. Right? You can have all the soul winning training you want, and we ought to do that and treat, tell people how to do it and this, that, and other, and show them the scripture and you know, give them the script and whatever. But here's what he's saying. He said, in the moment that you need the Holy Spirit, because you cannot cover every scenario. Right? You just can't. He said, you just go. Trust me, and I'll give you the words to say. See, we have the Holy Spirit. We don't have to know it all. It's his power, not ours. I'm not doing it in my power. Right? And then finally, he tells us the truth. The truth is, he says this, Verse 12, the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. 
He's saying, you just, if you'll do it, I'll speak through you. That's the truth. That's the truth. You don't have to. It's called a testimony. It's called a testimony. You know what that is? You know what that is? You're not speaking about something you don't know about. And Brother Sean, people say this. What if they start asking me all these hard questions about the Bible? Here's, here's, here's what you do. I don't know. Right? Where'd Cain get his wife? I don't have a clue. I wasn't there. But let me ask you this. If you died today, would you go to heaven? Well, I just don't know if I can believe in the God that, you know, you look in the Old Testament, he's, he's condoning all these killing and all this stuff. All I know, here's what I know. Where I was lost, now I'm found. You can spend all the time you want to debating everything about the Bible and all the, because they don't, until God reveals it to them, you're not going to change their mind. See, you can walk out of there and say, well, I didn't know what to say. Well, here's the thing. Just keep pointing them to the cross. Point him to the cross. Point him to the cross. Well, they're asking me all this stuff about Adam and Eve and the garden and, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Well, you ever been to the Dead Sea and seen the scrolls? No. What I care. What about the what about the Greek and the Hebrew? I can't read either one. What if they think I'm stupid? I don't care. I mean, you know, I Probably I am, but I just know this. I'm just dumb enough to believe Jesus, Amen. right? right. So you don't have to have all the answers. Amen. But what you can do is tell them what happened to you. Yeah. What you can do is hand them a track. What you can do is show them John 3, 16. So the, the question is, will you confess him publicly? It's easy in here to raise your hands and I got... I got, a, I got a word for the Lord, right? This is safe most time. Right, most time it is. But what about out there, right? That's, they're the ones that need to hear it. We need to hear it in here too, absolutely. I don't, I'm not dumb. I don't think everybody sitting in pews is saved. But I know a lot of people out there that ain't. Confess him publicly. You don't have to be obnoxious, right? I found this, that if I live my life different from the people I'm around, a lot of times they won't know what's different, right? I mean, where, where you work at, if you're not in there cussing and talking dirty stories and all the mess they do, right? Uh, by the way, I worked a public job. I know what goes on in the break room. Hey, you want to go out and get a beer with us tonight? I don't drink. That's right. You don't? Why? Well, because I got saved in 1996 and hadn't, man, I have not had a drink since I got saved. Amen. Glory to God. Huh. They might reject it, but they'll know you're different. That's right. But here's what I found. You ain't going to share Jesus over a Miller Light. If you're doing the same thing they're doing, they don't want to hear what you got. Because your life is no different than, yeah, but if I, if I just mix in with them, then they'll want to know what's happening. You're no different. They don't care. Right? right? That's good. Confess him publicly. Right. He said, if you'll confess me, I'll confess you. If you deny me, I'll deny you. Pretty simple, isn't it? Right. We need to be a witness. That's what God left us here to do.
tell others about him. Tell you what, we're going to, Miss Susan's going to come and we're going to take the Lord's table. And before we do that, we always have an altar call. Because I believe this, the Bible talks about it over in 1 Corinthians 11. It said in verse 28, let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And I know a lot of times we look at big sin, right? Old brother so-and-so's doing this, he ought to get right with God. But here's, here's what I found, brother Eddie. The day we live in, you look at you look what what uh, the Bible says. Last days, perilous times will come, and we see in those last days some things that uh, has me concerned. Talks about busybodies, gossipers, people with malice, envy, strife, hatred. And in that church at Corinth, we always focus on the shame that they had someone in leadership committing fornication, which is true. But when you study the church at Corinth, that was only a small portion of what was going on. You had some internal sin going on. And I'm afraid, like I said, I don't think the fornication and adultery is what's killing our independent Baptist churches, but I do know the envy and jealousy and strife and the gossip and the back hello can I get a witness so I'd say each one of us according to scripture should be examining ourselves tonight and when we take the the communion the, the body and the blood of Christ is what this represents we ought to first of all before we ever do that examine ourselves not examine look well somebody else ought to be up on that altar if you that ought to be you, ought to be me. So let's stand. Miss Susan's gonna play. Heads are bowed. If you need to come to the altar, if there's just that small thing you need to get.